Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. If you're new to us, let me explain. I'm Chris Lackey, and I have loved Star Trek as long as I could remember. My wife, Rachel, isn't into anything sci-fi. She had never watched Star Trek, doesn't get the appeal of Star Wars, and was scared of the Doctor Who theme as a kid. I was never going to be able to share this part of my world with her. But then she suggested this show. We've been producing podcasts since 2017 on every episode of Star Trek since the TOS pilot, and we are now up to season five of Star Trek The Next Generation. Today, we are time traveling back to an old episode that we thought you might enjoy. So let's start, as always, with Rachel's guesses about the plot. So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise C enters the Enterprise D's time and space continuum. Ooh. Where they find Picard and crew in a constant state of war with the Klingons. And only Guinan knows it. Huh? Let's say it'll be more a warship than a Discovery one. Uh-huh. I would love some new costumes, but I don't think we've got the budget for that. Maybe yeah. they'll be slightly more military. Sure. Let's say a Klingon warbird also makes it over with a bloodthirsty wharf equivalent. Oh. I would love a wharf off. Oh. Guinan saves the day and the sea is sent home with a roadmap for peace. Oh, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> drink alone it wouldn't hurt you to seek out a little companionship I would require a Klingon woman for companionship earth females are too fragile not all of them there are a few on this ship that would find you tame <laughs> impossible you never know till you try. Then I'll never know. Ah, oh, that'll keep him regular. <laughs> it sure will. He was raised on Earth. Why does he know what prune juice is? <laughs> Maybe his parents weren't elderly. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. I'm Chris Lackey, and we're at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and, of course, Patreon, where you're listening to us now. Thank you, patrons. Uh, this episode is called Yesterday's Enterprise. The original idea was submitted to Paramount by Trent Christopher Ganino as a spec script through an open submissions policy. Definitely smacks of a fan right in it, doesn't it? It does. In a good way. Yeah. It was combined with a pitch by Eric Stilwell as well, and we'll discuss all that in more detail later because yeah. it's kind of a complicated story. Mm. Ira Stephen Bear, Ronald D. Moore, Hans Beemler, and Richard Manning are credited writers. All four. Yeah. The script writing split among them so it could be written quickly to accommodate Whoopi and Denise's filming schedules. All right. Spoiler alert, Denise Crosby's back this episode. Hey, I had no idea. I was so happy when you squealed with the light because you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. So many spoilers Fantastic. out there in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was directed by David Carson, who also did The Enemy. Guinan and Worf are having some banter over a prune juice. Who is Guinan talking about that she thinks would be a good match for Worf and they don't mind it a r- bit rough, you know? Yeah. Is she talking about herself? I don't think so. How does she know about everybody's kinks? Because she works at the bar <laughs> and right. people talk to the bartender about stuff. And Gosh. she's. She, if I was going to talk to people about my kinks, it would be Guinan. Yeah. But not if she's going to go spreading it around. She hasn't, she hasn't named any names. No. But did a little matchmaking, maybe. Maybe. It's somewhere between sexy and disturbing. I just think it's kind of sweet. Not her. It's just the way he's not 
not wanting to hurt somebody physically. Yeah. Is he just shy of rejection and he's saying it's that? I feel like that's the case. Oh, okay. Because later on, he does, uh, spoilers, he hooks up with non-Klingons. So he he gets over it. Okay. He just wants to put on that bravado. Uh Uh-huh. Then a strange phenomenon appears outside. Guinan looks and simply says, no. Arriving on the bridge, Worf is told that the Enterprise-D seems to have encountered a temporal rift in space. A starship emerges from the rift and the bridge of the Enterprise shifts. It changes. Mm. So Picard changes, the way the Enterprise bridge changes, their uniforms change. Yeah, I loved that effect. Same shot, no cut. I was very confused, though. I thought we jumped over to seeing the other version of Picard on the sea. Yeah. You had to explain to me, and I don't know whether... I should have got that or would have got that down the line if you hadn't have stopped and explained. But yes, I just assumed we jumped over to their perspective because why would our guys suddenly change in all ways? <laughs> Does not compute. Yeah. The uniforms are nearly the same, but they've got a silver belt and for some they've got a diagonal band. Also, the officers' uniforms have a different collar and some cuffs. Mm-hmm. It's quite subtle, but kind of mirror mirrory with the metallic belt and, yes. and sash thing. yeah 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 but not sexy like mirror mirror no the bridge has steps now mm-hmm. and it's downlit in blue and there's no side chairs either if one mm. for Riker and troy there's just the one captain's chair yeah and there's no troy no and no off no no one seems to be aware of any changes that happened they just go all about their business as normal yeah wharf is gone as you said and the late natasha yar stands in his place yay she's back why no troy though they just couldn't come up with a storyline for her. Or well, there wouldn't have been a counselor on a warship. I don't think there'd be a counselor on a warship. No time to talk about it. Just get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it just sort of one woman in, one woman out? Oh, gosh. I hope that's not the case. It will be, though, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, down in a more brightly lit 10 forward, everyone is in uniformed and all are armed. Guinan's outfit is now blue instead of purple. She senses something isn't right. Mm. Yar confirms that the other vessel is a Federation starship, the NCC-1701-C. What? USS Enterprise? (laughs) What? What? Data reports that the other ship, the Enterprise-C, checks out to be from its appropriate time period, which is 22 years ago. So this is a predecessor of the D, is it? Rather than a different name because it's from another dimension. Yes. I was so confused. <laughs> There's going to be a quote later from Jonathan Frakes that makes me feel a bit better. But at this point, I thought they were coming in from another dimension. I didn't know they were time traveling. Yes, they were time traveling. They're actually from the, their world. Yes. Just, the hint okay. is when they say temporal. It's I know, a temporal but I forgot, rift, I which means it's that means. time. Yeah, I get that now. Wesley says the Enterprise C was destroyed with all hands 22 years ago, but data corrects him and says, oh, actually, it went missing. Mm-hmm. Because it went forward 22 years of the future. Oh, my goodness. It was presumed destroyed near Narenda 3, which is a Klingon outpost. Wes has got a uniform on. Why? Well, I think since it's a war, he's been promoted. Just escalating people through the ranks. Yep. People are dying. Yep. Right, okay. Looks good, in it? He does. Yeah. Yeah, scans and reports heavy damage to the sea, but with life signs. Readings are sporadic. It looks like they have massive casualties, but some are still alive. Bridge to sick bay. Emergency teams. Stand by transporter rooms. Understood. Relay that order, Doctor. Respectfully, if I may suggest, regardless of where they came from, they are here now and they need our help. Commander, if that ship has traveled into the future, we could be dealing with variables that will alter the flow of our history. Ooh. Riker is in Bev's usual role in this episode, being the compassionate one who 
puts lives first. And Picard, as usual, is protecting others from their interference. Mm -hmm. This is the equivalent of the Prime Directive, but for time. Yeah, that's right. They get a distress call from the Enterprise C. Picard feels that he has to take it. They find out that they were attacked by Romulans and they lost warp and life support is failing. He wasn't going to get involved at all until he heard the distress call. Yeah. Mm. And Riker is surprised about the Romulans because they had no knowledge of them in that area at the time the Enterprise C was lost. Picard is going to help them, but he doesn't want to tell them that they're the Enterprise D mm. and he sends people over. He doesn't want them to know that they're in the future? Yeah. Or at least not to know what the future holds? Yeah. But of course, that doesn't matter because if they go back in time with that information, they've created a new timeline. Ah! Get uh, ready for my head to explode. <laughs> on the Enterprise C, things are bad. Lots of people are dead. The captain, Garrett, is badly injured. She's a woman! Yay! Yay. <laughs> uh, she's a man in the spec script. Oh. Named after a pizzeria in Ganino's hometown. Oh, that's but nice. they cast her as a woman and she does a great job in this oh, yeah. episode. Uh, she has a lot of questions for them, but they're not giving answers. They beam her back to Enterprise D to get medical attention. So we've had a few female captains before, but not of an Enterprise. We had Janice Lester taking over Kirk's body to try and become a captain in TOS. Oh, right. In the old series. Yeah, but it, it wasn't could, allowed. It wasn't allowed for women to be captains. There was an unnamed captain in the USS Saratoga in Star Trek IV. Gosh, do I remember that? And there was Trila Scott. She was in Conspiracy. Well, Captain Rachel, great Yay. first name, is played by Trisha O'Neill. Mm -hmm. And she shows up in Star Trek later as a Klingon and as a Cardassian as well. Not surprised. She put in a cracking performance. She's good. She has lots of questions for them, but they're not giving her any answers. They beam her back to the D. It must feel so dodgy to her, but what choice does she have, really? Oh, yeah. She's like dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, LaForge gives the Enterprise C a once-over and can see that it's in bad shape, but he can't get it up and running. Under some debris, they find another survivor and the only other officer, Lieutenant Richard Castillo. Hello. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Christopher McDonald's looking great in this episode. Has he got slightly darker hair or something? Or he's younger than I've seen him before? He's younger and he puts on weight later as oh, he gets okay. older. So. He looks really good. Yeah, he's got the charm going yes. on as well. This is too. what we've been needing the whole time. If this kind of guy had been coming on to Troy, I would have been fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got it going on. Yeah. He auditioned for the role of Riker. Yes. You can and see he, it, can't you? I can totally see it. Yeah. And he's also Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I don't, haven't seen that, but That's, you're very excited about oh, it. Oh, my God. That, I'm not an Adam Sandler guy, but I think that movie is freaking hilarious. There's a part in there because he's this cocky golf player and he goes, I oh, eat pieces yeah. of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember and that. He bit, goes, actually. you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> and he's so flummoxed. It's just hilarious. He goes, no. <laughs> Maybe I have seen it. <laughs> He was in another of your favorite films, Grease 2. <gasps> We're going to score tonight. He was. <laughs> oh, Grease And two. I remembered him as a baddie. He was Thelma's controlling husband, Daryl, in Thelma and Louise. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what I knew him from. It's and all... many more things. Yeah, he's, he's a prolific actor. Now, LaForge manages to get the ship up and running, but it's still in bad shape. There are only 125 survivors. And Riker says they could really use another ship in the war, even if it's an old one. Oh, hard times. Yeah. Yeah, yikes. Picard agrees, and they plan to take Enterprise C to Starbase 105. Now, Guinan shows up on the bridge, and everyone is kind of weirded out that she's there. <laughs> so is she. Oh. <laughs> really. Yeah. She uh, looks rattled. She asks to speak to Picard, saying, this is not the way it's supposed to be. She must have some idea how things have changed. I look at things, I look at people, and they just don't feel right. What things? What people? You, your uniform, the bridge, 
What's the matter with the bridge? It's not right. It's the same bridge. Nothing has changed. I know that. I also know it's wrong. What else? Families. There should be children on the ship. What? Children on the Enterprise? Gainer, we're at war. No, we're not. At least we're not supposed to be. This is not a ship of war. This is a ship of peace. What you're suggesting? I'm not suggesting. That ship from the past is not supposed to be here. It's got to go back. What do you think of all this? Ah, oh, lame. What? I'm just kidding. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. You tricked me there I for a second. I loved it. I, I, the little tidbit about there should be a children on it and there wouldn't be during war was, yeah. was fun. But just the idea that she's the only one who knows, but she doesn't know much. She just knows that it's wrong. And she's got to convince Picard to go with her instinct, even though she can't give him proof. It's just great. I love it. But it's I love it because it's one of these things where they could make the whole episode about her trying to convince him and they don't. Mm. There's a little bit of it in there. Yeah. But he's takes her very seriously. And that's, you know, the anti stupid experts like somebody on your ship who, you know, is really skilled or knowledgeable or. Or powerful in some way. Yeah, and they've never got it wrong before or asked you for anything before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, okay, it makes him hesitate, and he really thinks about this. And she's not letting it go either. No. So it was a really good use of her character. Yeah. Performed beautifully, and yeah, loved it. And now it's time for a sick big gurning challenge. (laughs) Garrett is recovering from surgery and trying to find out from Picard what the hell is going on. But he's being evasive, trying to get info from her instead. She's not loving this. No, she's not. She's the only one who's being allowed to give information. Garrett says they were responding to a distress signal from the Klingon outpost on Narenda 3. They were going to go and help the Klingons? Yeah. She then gets Picard to spill the beans that they've travelled 22 years into the future. Oh my goodness. But I'm glad he spelled it out for me (laughs) because I wasn't getting it at all. Oh. Picard says you've got to keep it on the DL. If your crew return with future knowledge, it could upset the timeline even more. And then where will we all be? Mm -hmm. So it turns out the Enterprise C disappeared without a trace 22 years ago. Garrett says they were defending the Klingon outpost against four Romulan warbirds. Wow. Picard tells her that the outpost was destroyed back 22 years ago, and they have no knowledge of the Romulans ever doing it. The Enterprise C just disappeared. They don't know... Mm where it went because they didn't find any wreckage from it because obviously it went to the future. Picard realizes that if the Federation starship could have rescued a Klingon outpost, it might just have averted 20 years of war. Wow. So what is going on here? Is this pre-Klingon war or during a war, but they decided to go and help some Klingons? If you remember in Star Trek VI, the Kinemur Accords were signed and that was before this happened. So they had tenuous relationships with the uh, Federation and whatever this thing that happened kicked off a war. Right. So, so there was peace. They decided to try and protect the Klingon outpost. If they'd been successful, they would not would not have followed a war. But yes. They weren't and they did. Yes. Yeah, in this timeline. In this timeline. It's time for a little romance for Ya. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have to have her back in relation to a man. She can't just be there as a oh, specialist right. or anything. Yeah. yeah. But it gives her more to do and I don't mind. Yeah. But he's an uncharacteristically likable and convincing man as well so Mm -hmm. you know why not on the sea castillo is bummed to be 22 years out of time maybe your family is still alive 
Yeah. Yeah. Yar works her magic on the weapon system. She says that they might not like the future as the war has been very long and mm. they've lost more than half of Starfleet to Klingons. Gosh, so things have really gone downhill since this 22 years ago yes. period. Callisto says that they were negotiating a peace treaty back in his timeline. Ah, oh, there you go. Star Trek Six, even though in the timeline is before this by mm. about 60 years. The movie hasn't come out yet. Oh, right. Because in Star Trek Six, I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't because we watched <laughs> probably it. Probably don't. Michael Dorn plays one of Worf's ancestors. Oh, right. In the movie because yeah. he was already established oh. in Next Gen. So we don't know if they've got the timeline consistent here, but we're supposed to believe that they established peace in Star Trek Six, And then 60 years later, they were trying to do a peace treaty again still. 40 years later. Yeah. Maybe there was, you know, the Kittimers happened and then there was a falling out. Maybe there yeah. was an issue. You know, who knows? Yeah. It's not important. It Your is to me. <laughs> it is to me. I'm so glad you just said that. Mm -hmm. Back on the D. <laughs> Back on the D. I don't know. That <laughs> just seems silly. Picard asked Data about what would happen if the sea returned through the rift. She would emerge, says Data, in the midst of battle and there'd be no chance for survival. Sending them back would essentially be a death sentence. Mm -hmm. Yar tells Castillo that the Enterprise D is the first galaxy-class battleship. Ooh. Battleship. Yeah, of course. Built, and it can transport as many as 6,000 troops. Oh, my goodness. Huge. Garrett finds out that there is Klingon battleships in the area and checks herself out of sickbay. Mm. Crusher protests that Garrett needs another 24 hours of rest. To Garrett, at this crucial point, 24 hours might as well be 24 years. <laughs> yeah. She is taking command and leading them to victory slash death. Both. Yeah, it's a turning point and she has to be there for them. She's a strong leader. We do see her get rescued quite a bit. And it's a man who turns out to be the one who is heroic of her crew. But oh. for the late 1980s, yeah. I think she's a good female character. Mm. She's completed her gurning challenge with flying colors. <laughs> and she is out of there. <laughs> Guinan bugs Picard again. Dude, this ain't right. No, I can't give you any proof or facts, but you have to send them back. Picard slams his fist on the table. He's furious. It's yeah. an impossible situation. And we get this. Who is to say that this history is any less proper than the other? I suppose I am. Not good enough, damn it. Not good enough. I will not ask them to die. 40 billion people have already died. This war is not supposed to be happening. You've got to send those people back to correct this. And what is the guarantee that if they go back, they will succeed? Every instinct is telling me this is wrong, it is dangerous, it is futile. We've known each other a long time. You have never known me to impose myself on anyone or take a stance based on trivial or whimsical perceptions. This timeline must not be allowed to continue. Now, I've told you what you must do. You have only your trust in me to help you decide to do it. 40 billion people have died in war. Well, that's a lot of people. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Do you think this is a more angry Picard in this timeline? Oh, because for he's sure. Because captain in war. Yeah. It's not just the situation that's bringing that out of him. Yeah. A war we find out later they're losing. Yes. Yeah. Yar and Castile are hanging around 10 forward. Guinan sees her and it's awkward mm. and Yar feels it. She's never seen Guinan rattled before. This is a great interaction. What a good return of Yar's character that Guinan knows she should have died. So if the timeline is restored, 
she'll be gone again. And incidentally, we learn that in a war situation, power has been transferred from the replicator to weaponry, so they can only order basic rations. Mm. So they're sprinkling in all these little changes. Sounds lame. No it chocolate do- sundaes. It does sound lame. And it's important, too, to remember that Guinan didn't show up until after Yar had died. Yar schools Castillo on tactics, teaching him more than he's learned at the academy, he says. <laughs> that all uh, smoothie. But he says it with sincerity. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's really good in this. He says, uh, you know, we're too close to call each other lieutenant. He says, most people call me Castillo, but my mom calls me Richard. And she goes, okay, Castillo. And he goes, why don't you call me Richard? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. A little detail, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> call me by the name my mom calls me. I... Okay, you can make it creepy, <laughs> but I think it's kind of sweet because I want to be more than a, a buddy to yeah, you. Yeah, so she's you special to him already. Picard briefs the senior officers on his decision to send them back to their timeline. Crusher is like, what? <laughs> and Riker says they can't save the outpost. What would be the sense in sending them back? No, says Picard, but the attempt to protect the Klingons may prevent a war. Especially, says Data, because Klingons regard honour above all else. Well, let's give them a bucket load of weapons at least, says LaForge. No, because that will alter the past and would break the time. Prime directive, yeah. Q-Song. No, oh, what? Oh. <laughs> we'll just have to send them to die. Yar confesses her worries to Data about the sea crew. Data tells her that if history is restored, they will have no memory of these events, which disturbs Yar even more. Mm. Picard discusses their fate with Garrett and assures her his faith in Guinan. Garrus says, come with us, help us. And he says, we can't. Mm. She says, many of her crew want to return anyway. They don't like the idea of skipping out on a fight. And some of them can't face life without their loved ones. How has she done this, do you think? Because he told her not to let anybody know they were in, they were out of time, but she obviously has done, yeah. I guess. How else can you explain it to them? She's told them that they have to stay and help here. Look, says Picard, we're losing our shirts here. Within six months, we figure out we're going to lose the entire war and we're going to have to surrender to the Klingons. One starship is not going to make any impact on the present. Mm. But 22 years ago, one ship could have stopped the war from even starting. And she kind of goes, yeah, I I totally agree. I love that. She wanted to stay and help them. Said, no, that's going to be a drop in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Go back and do the one thing that could really make a difference and die. Picard returns to the D, but Yar stays to say goodbye to Castillo when, what do you know, they're attacked by a bird of prey and Yar is needed at the tactical station. It was here that I realised they were going to have her stay on the sea, and I wanted her to. Of course. Yeah. The sea takes some hits and Garrett is knocked to the ground. She's dead with a huge piece of metal in her forehead. Pretty gory. Looks like a throwing star. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a few gory things Mm. in this episode. Castillo offers to lead the Enterprise C back himself. Uh, Riker is concerned that the C wasn't meant to enter this fight without Garrett. Data says that Temporal Rift is destabilizing. The D will provide cover from the Klingons until they are ready to go into the past. So the D's really put it in itself in danger here. It's going to have to stick around being fired upon oh, yeah. just to provide cover. Well, their whole plan works, then it'll alter the timeline. Yeah, so. if they make it through, they'll all be okay. Yeah, well, yeah, sort of. Yeah, uh. Yar and Castillo say goodbye with a kiss. Mm. Do you like that? Yeah, I did. Yeah? Yeah, I did. Pretty cute, wasn't it? And he returns to the sea. And Yar goes to confront Guinan. And we get this. Tasha, we're not supposed to be here. Where am I supposed to be? Dead. Do you know how? But I do know it was an empty death. A death without purpose. Guess what, Chris? 
They're going to give her a meaningful death on the sea. Yay! Yay! We shouldn't be cheering so much about oh, it, should we, no. I guess? But it's what everybody's wanted for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah convinces Picard to let her transfer. He's angry again. He's afraid to send her to her death. Mm -hmm. He cares about her. But if the timeline is reset, she'll be gone anyway, won't she? Yep. Yeah says that with someone skilled at tactical like her, they might be able to make the difference in the conflict. It might only be an extra few seconds or minutes, but that could be the time it takes to change history. Mm -hmm. She's always known she might die in this job. She just wants her death to count for something. Yeah. yeah. She says she really didn't like it when Guyden said that it was an empty death. Yeah. yeah. And that was the source of great anger among Trekkers, wasn't it? The oh, way yeah. That Yar died. Yeah. Just snuffed out like that. And you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yar reports for duty on the sea. She takes her station. Castile sits in the captain's chair. Three cavort class battle cruisers are en route. You can spell it fancy and cling on it, but the fact is you're cavorting around the <laughs> <laughs> universe. It's very. They have to get the C through the rift in time. The D is fired upon and returns fire. Uh, they're getting rocked about and are starting to sustain damage. Picard tells Wesley to keep within 200 kilometers of the Enterprise C. Whoa, these are the distances we're dealing with? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. They look so close. <laughs> That's how big the ship is. It's big. Oh, wow. Things are looking bad in engineering. It's getting desperate as they continue to hang around and protect the sea. Why is it taking them so long to get in the into the rift? Though they, I guess they, <laughs> they just have impulse. From there, have they? Well, they did move from there to did get they? away from it because they weren't sure if it was dangerous, so they moved away. Hmm, but okay. it, it does take a long time. <laughs> they destroy one Klingon ship, but uh, receive critical damage to the warp core. The shields collapse, and the containment field is failing. There's two minutes until warp core breach. Jody's rushing around trying to do anything he can. But then the thing's jammed, so they can't eject the warp core. They're all going to be blown up. The Enterprise is hit again and Riker is killed. Uh, and it's gross. There's a like, big open wound on his oh, neck and yeah. stuff. Yeah. By an exploding console. Mm. The Klingons call in, demanding that the Enterprise surrender to them. Wow, chilling. That'll be the day, says Picard, <laughs> leaping over the tactical rail, trying to fire on them as the bridge goes up in flames. The Enterprise C makes it back through the rift just yep. in time. And the timeline is restored and Picard returns to the normal bridge in the exact spot he was before. The timeline diverged. Everything is back to normal and the anomaly is closing in on itself. They say, oh, I detected a ship for a second, but it's gone now. So mm -hmm. whatevs. That's all they remember of it. Guinan calls up and asks if everything is all right. She smiles to hear that everything is fine. Uh, and then she sits down opposite LaForge and she asks, Jordy, tell me about Tasha Yar. Aww. Aww. Sweet. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> what an honoring episode. Oh. Concepts? We had a temporal rift and time travel. Pretty big. Very confusing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I got there in the end through reading it. Well, this is a different type of time travel. This is alternate timeline time travel. So when something happens, it alters a timeline. So you have more than one timeline. So if I go into the future and then go back to the past, it's a different past that I'm actually going back into than the future that I came from, mm -hmm. which is maybe what's going to happen with Yar. So does that make sense in people's theoretical versions of time well, travel? Uh, Won't they always have had this timeline if it always comes through the temporal rift? But then they fixed it, so then they would never have had that timeline. Oh boy, you got a point. Hmm. Hmm. Well, time travel's always a bit <laughs> uh, timey-wimey. Right, yeah. We just have to go, what if this happened and then just run with it. Yes. And I thought it was a really cool what if. Yeah. Guinan being the only one to sense what shouldn't be there was enjoyable. Yeah. And a great use of 
her and yeah, oh, and yeah. of the dynamic between her and angry Picard. Mm-hmm. She couldn't give Picard anything more concrete, but he trusted her so much that he went with her instincts. Yeah, and I really liked her performance in that she was really understanding of Picard's situation, yeah. but but still firm. Like yeah. I know this is all crazy, but you got to listen to me. Yes. And there was a confidence in her performance that was whew, so good. <laughs> That's right. They wrote the script over Thanksgiving weekend, all four of them, just that so they could get it filmed with her in. Oh, wow. Before Christmas uh, break. And we had the greatest stakes of all that sending them back would kill them. Yeah. But not sending them back would kill billions. Tens of billions. And I guess it was less of a moral dilemma for Picard because the sea crew wanted to go back anyway. So that decision could be made. Yeah. By them on their own behalf. But what I liked about it and the concepts of it, it all still made sense. You know, the, the, these guys are Federation and, you know, it's like, okay, we came to the future. We got away from that fight, but look what happened. And if we go back, if we sacrifice ourselves, we're going to save so many people. You know, it's 120 people that lived. Yes. So that's nothing. And it's a no brainer, but still having to do something that's going to cause you to die Mm -hmm. and you're not 100% sure that's tough. You know, it just all felt right. It was, it was so good. All you know is that it seems you've come 22 years into the future and things are not good. Yeah. And that they could be okay if you go back and finish what you started. Mm-hmm. We had them about to lose war due to the changes that had happened. And I wondered if in six months they'd had to surrender to the Klingons, what universe would they have been left with? Yeah. The ship is different. I enjoyed all the subtle differences and not so subtle mm-hmm. that they sprinkled around there. Picard's more easy to anger, but otherwise the personalities seemed similar. Yeah. I think. I think so. I mean, 22 years, that's a long time. So he could have been really different and they all could have been really, really different, but they didn't make them. So 22 years of war, no war due to the war. Why is Yar there though? Well, she didn't die because they weren't exploring. Right. Of course. They never went there. Yeah. Writer Eric Stilwell talked with Denise Crosby at a convention, developed a story along with Ganino, the other story creator, mm-hmm. that would allow Tasha to return. In this pitch, a Vulcan science team would inadvertently cause the death of Surak. Completely different. Yeah, wow. When a trip through the Guardian of Forever into Vulcan's ancient past goes wrong. Instead of becoming logical, Vulcans were now at war, including with the Federation. Yar would be present among the crew of the Enterprise D in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Sarek would be on board too and would return to the past and take the place of Surak. Oh, wow. Thus restoring the correct timeline. Whoa. And that's from the making of yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, wow. Still well commented, we thought it would be really cool that someone from the future would replace someone in the past. Pillar suggested combining this pitch with Ganino's one about the time-traveling Enterprise, which had also developed a Yar storyline by then due to Pillar wanting to bring her back. Mm, mm. Neat. They later dropped a Yar data subplot, so I wonder what would have happened there. And they added in Guinan, so it, it wasn't intended to have Guinan yeah. when they were first writing it, and oh, that wow. would have been a very different dynamic. The, the data subplot, I don't know what it was, but they never would have got it on. In the past, yeah, because they wouldn't have they wouldn't be exploring. naked now. So I'm going to give it a nine for concepts. I'm only taking one point off because it wasn't clear enough for me. <laughs> I still enjoyed it. Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. I, I really think it's a cool episode, but nine is pretty high. It's not one of those that kind of knocks my socks off. I, I think an eight. Entertainment. Great to see Yaba. 
a really loving repair of what was done to her character. Mm -hmm. It seemed that the writers must have been fans, or at least they were listening to what the fans had wanted. Sure. <laughs> it passed the Bechdel test, with oh, right. Yara and Whoopi discussing their own lives rather than men. And also Bev and Garrett had a conversation at one point too. Great to see Whoopi back on top form and Picard trusting her. They wrote several additional crew deaths, including yeah. the decapitation of Wesley. Oh my God. Oh gosh. <laughs> Which didn't get filmed along with a battle sequence at the end due to time and budget. They didn't need any of that stuff. That's no. preposterous. I enjoyed the way they presented it as a warship rather than an exploration ship. Yeah. Ten Forward had a bulkhead and the name of the ship on the wall instead of a sculpture. Mm. The lighting was cooler. In Picard's ready room, the painting, the couch, and the works of Shakespeare and ship models had all been removed and replaced with status displays and tactical maps. Mm. A very different lifestyle for yeah. them there. Maybe that's why Picard was so angry, because they didn't have any of their stuff going into the holodeck and pretending to be a detective yeah. self-care time. Yep. Yeah. Now, the ambient ship noise was increased. The usually unheard engines were made into a dull roar. Intra-ship communications were generally announcements as opposed to people just kind of talking to each other in their little doo-doops. Com badges. Yeah. The door swoosh was made more audible and reminiscent of the sound effect from the original series. Did you notice any of that? No. <laughs> it just created atmosphere, didn't yeah. it? We had the slightly amended costumes and the belts that they wore were designed to carry a Type 2 phaser prominently at all times. So again, denoting that right. they're at war. The Enterprise C wore the TOS movies uniform without the collared undershirt. Yeah. Uh, Rick Berman cites the episode along with The Measure of a Man as his favorite episode. Hell, Picard sends 500 people, less than that. It was 150. <laughs> yes. Uh, people to their death on the word of a bartender. Come mm -hmm. on, that's hard. It was such a complicated and fascinating premise, but it was ultimately the character material that really made everybody proud. Mm, nice. And that was from Captain's Log, The Unauthorized Complete Trek Voyages. Entertainment Weekly ranked it number one on their list of top 10 episodes Wow! to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. Wow. You, you wouldn't agree with that, would you? No. But you might put it in your top 10. Oh, yeah. Would you? Might be in the top 10, yeah. So far, anyway. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes admitted, to this day, I, I do not understand yesterday's Enterprise. I do not know what the fuck happened in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to understand it, but I liked the look. <laughs> yeah. Glad I'm not alone there, yeah. Jonathan. That's from Captain's Lugs, the unauthorized Complete Trek Voyages. But I still enjoyed it, and I get it now. I've read it. Yeah. 8.5. I'm going to see. I'm going to give it a 9 on Ooh, entertainment. Okay. It's pure joy. This mm. episode is great. I'm just eating it with a spoon. <laughs> Sexiness. Yar and Castillo were both sexy and had sexual tension. Not loads, but I'm going to give it a 3.5. It just seemed believable for the first time on Star Trek that <laughs> a relationship, <laughs> you're right. like, oh, wait, these people are actually they, into each yeah. other. Denise has got a little bit of a, you can tell she's acting. So that takes me out of it okay. being a real relationship a little bit. But fair play to her. She'd just come back to do the character once after two years yeah. away. I can't say there was huge chemistry because of that. Well. But I like them both. And I liked him a lot. And it's, it's like you said, really rare on Star Trek to have a guy who's supposed to be attractive actually be attractive. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I'm going to give it a three. Stupid experts. Picard listened to Guinan. Yeah, got to be expert. Garrett was a worthy captain. I think everyone was on good form. Yeah. Zero. Zero. 
Are your guesses? I said it'd be more a warship than a discovery one, yeah. Thought the costumes would be more military, but we wouldn't really have the budget, so... You were totally yeah. right on that. I thought a Klingon warbird would make it over with a bloodthirsty wharf. No, there wasn't, but the script indicated the Klingon voice demanding their surrender could be played by wharf. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Well, yeah. it, it wasn't. I said Guinan would save the day and that the sea would be sent home with a roadmap for peace. Yeah, kind of. You hmm. know, they went back to create peace, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. That was all right. Not too bad for a change. Well, I'd like to thank some new patrons and welcome them to the crew. All right. Welcome Lieutenant Kung Hui and Lieutenant John Sanders. Nice. I like these new crew members. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on board the USS Sparkle and Shine. Oh, yes, Sparkle and Shine. Yay. <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for your support. I hope you're having a lovely festive season, if that is your thing. Yeah. And I hope you're having a lovely December, if it's not. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Do you want more Rachel Watches Star Trek? Subscribe for one episode per month wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, etc. If you want to support the show and get way more, then head to patreon.com forward slash Rachel Watches Star Trek to join our community there from $2 per month and to give us your view on every episode. You'll get four new episodes covering Star Trek per month, plus a comment show and bonus content from $5 per month. Hope you enjoyed the episode today and we hope to see you in the comments, either on social media or on Patreon.